life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility. But driving shouldn't be just another chore. We're here to help you find a car you love. Something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car to Be. Well, guys, welcome back to the podcast. We are thrilled you're with us. And if you're joining us for the first time, thank you for joining us. We hope this is a respite from everything else going on in your life. Because lo and behold, we're going to talk about cars. Hey, imagine that. (laughs) Well, so you're hearing Chance's voice. As you can probably tell, Todd is busy editing, and I'm going to go over to his house this weekend. And I hope I don't find him suffocating under a pile of ones and zeros of digital footage. There's going to be Cheetos everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So uh, he is furiously editing for our Season 2 on Velocity Channel, debuting on January 6th, I believe, but it is going to be in January, and he is furiously editing and getting us ready and prepared so he can deliver episodes and deadlines and deadlines, all that, all that stuff. stuff. Yeah. So you're, you're hearing Chance's voice, so thank you for coming back on the podcast, man. I think everybody's excited to have you back on. Yeah, it's great. Uh, I'm really actually quite surprised at how many messages I get from people just saying, hey, when are you going to be back on the podcast? Uh, I love having you on there. Which is great. Plus, you got recognized at the show. I did. I did. How I cool did. was that? Yeah, uh, one of the. I'm sitting there taking pictures of uh, Hyundai's new um, Kona concept. Yeah. And one of their engineers came up to me and said, "Hey, I recognize you from Everyday Driver." And oh, that's and so we cool. talked for a minute. He was a sound and vibration engineer. No kidding. Yeah. No kidding. All yeah. right. Well, uh, we are here to talk everything about the LA Auto Show, the press days, which have just concluded. Chance and I flew back to Salt Lake City. Just today, after yep. being at the auto show, I flew in on Tuesday and spent some time with a customer and then uh, hung out uh, at the auto show all day Wednesday. I was back with him today, but you went for a second day at the show, yep. right? Yep. All right. So uh, we've got so many stories. I had the pleasure of meeting three directors of design this trip, Franz von Holzhausen from Tesla, yep. Ralph Giles from FCA, and I also have had the pleasure of hanging out a bit with Mark Lichta. He is the director of design worldwide for Audi, and just getting to know both those, all three of those guys, actually. Uh, real quick meetings, but uh, it was really fun. And then, of course, I ran into everybody I know, which was amazing, because it, it's so funny. You think, when we talk about a design element or things about a car, there's people behind those decisions. I'm fortunate to know many of them. For example, my friend Peter Blades, he did the interior of the Model 3, the Tesla Model 3. And I met the the gentleman who did the Tesla Tesla semi truck, both the interior and the exterior, oh, no. both nice. guys for those, and uh, for that truck, uh, it's just it's been really fascinating. So here they are at the party, and they're just sort of finally my work is done. I get yeah. to see everybody's reactions to it. So that was a lot of fun. And then back at the show, but I'm glad you had day two to look back over everything. It sounds like the floor changed because as yep. you know, there's you know all the press reveals and press events and then the floor changes yeah so for if you, most of you won't be familiar with how press days work but they usually have every manufacturer has their assigned press press conference time and they'll have chairs right. set up for all the journalists to sit in and and it's usually a lot of chaos and we try to be on the opposite end of the hallway when they're doing that just to you know, <laughs> run away <laughs> where no one else is but uh yeah, once the chairs are moved away, then they bring out more cars, and there's even more things to go look at. It's excellent. Plus, they serve food. There was espresso. There was a guy toasting buns at the Infinity booth. Yeah. Did you see him? He had blow torches and. Yeah, they had welder masks and everything. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> 
They pulled out all the stops. But I thought that you could give your impressions on a bunch of stuff, actually, that I probably didn't get to see. I saw a lot, but you really have to move. Yeah. And what's also interesting is I moved through the show. You just got to start somewhere and then walk the floor again and start to notice things you missed the first time. Yeah. That helped me actually a lot to be able to do that. Yeah, that's why that's why I went again today is is the second day there's a lot less people there. You have more time you can spend in cars and even in cars that had a line yesterday. Yeah, right. Didn't so much have them today. Right. And yeah, it's it's just it's nice to, you know, the first day you see everything and it's just chaos and the second day you can go back and oh, I want to look at this again. Or I want to It's like watching your favorite movie a second time, yeah. or a third or a 14th right. or whatever. You notice things later on you think, "Why didn't I see that the first time around?" But it's like viewing a piece of art, you know, you have your first impressions and then, you know, second and third looks and you you notice more and more. Same thing with cars, I yeah. find. Yeah. There's so many details on them, especially now. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Now more than ever. Well, we've got to jump in somewhere. We've got so many cars to talk about, but I thought we could start with the Model 3 because, interestingly, Tesla has not shown a pavilion, their booth, at the LA Auto Show in years prior. They did last year. Oh, they did. Okay. They did have a a small booth last year. Okay. It was very small. This was pretty prominent this year. Yeah, they were right up front. Yeah. I mean, you walk in and suddenly there's Tesla and they had the Model 3. Lo and behold, everybody was drooling over this thing. Yep. The doors were locked, unfortunately, so nobody could get in. I kind of feel like if they've gone this far, they needed to let people you know, in. Why not? I mean, come on. You have how many thousands of, of pre-orders and trying to deliver them, and people need to look at it. But it was it was nice to see it in the metal for once mm-hmm. instead of in pictures. I mean, throw one and, to the wolves. Throw a sacrificial Model 3 to the masses and let us devour it. Yeah. I will say the, the front ends that's been very controversial, I don't think it looks as bad in person as it does in pictures. It doesn't look as just dominating in your face. Is it? Right, right. It's not as obvious. It's a little more subtle. Yeah, I thought that same way. And, and uh, everybody was asking us to look at panel gaps and finishes and, you know, all that stuff. And it seemed pretty good. Of course, yeah. the car that they're going to put on the show floor is not going to be the janky old, hey, right. we kind of missed a they, few production steps. They, they weren't perfect, but they, <laughs> yeah. they weren't nearly as bad as, as people make them out to be. And that, again, that could be because it's the, you know, here's the show car. Sure. It, it needs to look good. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that was really interesting. I mean, I, I would have loved to sit in it, of course, and, and check it out, open the doors, actually start to feel the packaging, you know, the rear seat space, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But from the exterior, I'm liking it. I just, I want more of an impression. Yeah. It was, uh, it was still very much of a tease for me, you know. And this car, interestingly, looked a little bit better in person, I felt like. I mean, this is the case. Everybody, you know, following along, you're seeing all the images, all the pictures we're posting. You're probably consuming all your favorite car content and the images. But definitely seeing in person is a totally different experience for most cars, Tesla Model 3 included. Yeah, I think it's more and more the case these days is, you know, cars are so so three-dimensional in their designs and their elements and the, you know, the little arrow things they've got that you may not notice in pictures and, you know, pictures are two-dimensional. So you can't see the, you know, the headlights have these deep cuts in them or, or, you know, things like that. And you're just, it, it's so much nicer to be, to be able to see the lines in person and make more sense of them. 
Well, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, coming from a design standpoint, I'm always looking at surface resolution where lots of different surfaces come together and they either wrap or they don't. You know, they yeah. wrap around the car, they resolve elegantly or, you know, beautifully or sometimes not. Maybe it's a more muscular yeah. design and, it, you know, it's jarring a little bit and it just takes time to get used to and absorb and you see it in the in the flesh, you know, in the metal. Yeah, the, a really good example in this car is a little call it old it's a couple years old now but the la ferrari in pictures it just looks <laughs> like janky ridiculousness thing. but you look at it in person and all the lines make a lot more sense sure well keep in mind that these designs have been able to marinate with the design team for months yep. and months if not years now the design cycle has gotten a lot faster i mean we're talking 18 months now for a full cycle to get something to production, that's staggeringly fast now. Yeah. And with the proliferation of tech, you know, and and software, it's going to get even faster. But, you know, they've marinated with these designs for a long time, and then they're seeing them on the show floor going, oh, yeah, I remember that thing. It has nothing to do with what I'm working on now. But, yeah, it's it's been pretty interesting. So, uh, yeah, I like the Tesla Model 3. Of course, we want the drive. And, of course, any car that we're looking at, we want more of the experience because, yeah, there's so many cars. Uh, I want to jump in with our Scandinavian friends with the Volvo XC40. I figured you would, yeah. I'm really digging this thing. And I, I seconded with this car because the XC40 has an interior that it doesn't deserve. And I mean that in a very good way. Yeah. It's jewelry. And I keep telling you, everybody, these interiors are gorgeous. The switch gear, the feel, the build quality, all this stuff is very Scandinavian, but it's it's so this car is undeserving it's, of this interior. It, it's the XC90 in miniature. Did you sit in this car, by the way? I didn't get to. They were, they were so crowded, and I, I wanted really? to, but there, there was all kinds of people surrounding them all day long. I'm glad to hear that because people need to discover these cars. And the 40 was newly introduced, and I'm looking at the packaging, sitting in the back seat, opening the rear hatch, you know, just thinking, huh? How could I, you know, could I live with this car? It was, I was. I was surprised at how much space there was in the back. Yeah. You open up the hatch and it's just like, there's a lot more room back there than it looks. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> it's kidding. huge. I agree. I, I'm just, I'm loving what Volvo is doing these days. And uh, it was just, it was really intriguing to me to see this. And now they're starting yeah. at 35000 somewhere in there. Something and then now like you that, can yeah. subscribe for $600 a month. And they're leading the way on the subscription programs, I think, along with Porsche, Cadillac, a few others. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's really good to see this. So I, I like that car a lot. And I will say, you know, I know there's a lot of people listening who own Tesla Model S's and X's. Those cars have interiors they don't deserve. And yeah. I mean that in a negative way because those cars, I feel like, should be better to meet the price point that those cars are oh, at. Oh, 100% agree, yeah. So it's it's just interesting to feel and see all these interiors and sit in things and you think, all right, what do I want to drive? What could I live with? What do I what am I attracted to? And that's that's sort of the mindset that I'm walking through. I'm looking at surface development. I'm looking at generative design. I'm looking at you know pa- uh, pattern making on surfaces. Yeah. You know, it's it's uh, new things need to be applied. And many of you have questions, which we'll get to on social media about you know things. You know, design elements. and Why do designers keep doing these things over and over? Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Do you notice anything like that? Things that stuck out? Um, one of the big trends I'm noticing, and this isn't just specific to L.A., but, you know, over the last year or so, a lot of car companies are starting to do, to do that whole floating roof concept. Sure. The, sure. And That's I, bugging you, isn't it? I wish it would go away. <laughs> they need to stop. <laughs> It's okay to say that. And again, 
everything we talk to, you know, positive or negative elements about the cars, there's people who worked on these and slaved over these. And, you know, these are career folks and, you know, working on this stuff. And it's just, it's amazing to talk to them at events like this. And, you know, everybody's having drinks and hanging out at various parties, but it's interesting to talk to these guys and, you know, talk about whatever they've been working on, whatever's on their mind. Of course, Tesla still can't talk about any of their production um, <clears throat> issues or anything like that or uh, nope. future plans, but uh, but that's fine. Here's the shiny object. Here you go. Come look at this. <laughs> okay, so what else? Where where else do you want to go to? We could go, um, you know, Japanese and Korean cars. We yeah, could go European. Yeah, uh, what do you think? I really liked that the Mazda had brought the Vision concept out. Oh, yeah. And I got a chance to walk around that. The door was even open, and I was able to, to open up the car and look at the interior which is actually pretty rare for a concept car. They kind of are very hands-off about those sort of things, <laughs> They're typically. They're usually about $3 million, and there's only one of them. Yeah, and you open up the door, <laughs> and just the, the surfaces on the interior and the seats and the materials were, you know, Mazda's done it again. They're, yeah. they're a, a, call it a low-scale car for with, in an upscale market. I agree. That's a good way of looking at it, and I think they're just killing it. And I posted a picture of the vision concept here. This is their Kodo design language, and they are backing away (laughs) from unnecessary stuff. And you can see other companies that are running towards a lot of busy things and a lot of elements. They're clean designs. Oh, man. There was sort of the the front overbite a little bit. Yeah, that was very, we noticed that. It's very chiseled. It's not as Mm -hmm. smooth as you think it is. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you noticed, but the lights on it, both the headlights and taillights, there's no glass in those. They're not covered at all. Yeah. I mean, production-wise, that's going to be difficult to clean. Yes. Get out your toothbrush (laughs) set to scrub away in there. Power wash it or something. I mean, when you get, you know, springtime and bumblebees get caught up in there, you know. But, you know, in the interior, though, they had some wood trim on the door panels and on the the center console, and they curved from where you – an armrest, and they curved up into the door panel real nice and smooth and it it was just it was nice i mean that's that's designers and suppliers working together designer says yeah i want this to happen and takes it to the supplier and says how can we make this happen how can you invent production processes or tweak existing processes to make this happen yeah so i feel like all those kinds of things are always little achievements along the way yeah totally it's it's beautiful to see i mean what else did you see what other interiors did you see Keeping with the Mazda real quick, one of the things I have noticed with the concept cars, and, and th- this made me laugh, is you close the doors on them, and they don't sound like a normal car. They're kind <laughs> no, of a they don't. <laughs> they might be made out of cooler foam and duct tape and yeah, lots they, of they Bondo. Don't, they don't and... close so nice. <laughs> uh, the other concept cars I was actually able to climb into was the uh, the Volkswagen ID concepts. So they had three different oh, ones. good. Had I'm the, glad you got in that. They had the Buzz and the cross it's cross cross or how yeah i'm not, not sure how you're supposed to pronounce cross them, but, and cross but they're all we know that we we talk one side and down the other on autonomous cars and yeah. that's what these are yeah and you you put your hand on the steering wheel with the steering wheel out and i noticed that you it, had a little clip yeah, we on put, instagram put a, put a clip on instagram of me doing this you put your hand on the steering wheel and it goes into autonomous mode and the steering wheel retracts into the dash completely Interesting. And then if you want to go back into manual mode, you put your hand back on the steering wheel and it comes back out. And this would be while you're moving, right? Right. 
So intriguing. Okay. Well, at least I think while you're moving, in theory, you could do that. Sure. Maybe they have a, a safety thing. It's sort of like that, you but... put put a hand on its heart, you know, and yeah. say, <laughs> "I'm taking over," or "You're taking over for me," and we're, you know, like the right. I don't know. It's sort of like you're you're connecting with the car in a way. Yeah, I mean, it was Strange. it was it was pretty cool. I'm I'm not really against autonomous cars, but I'm not really looking forward to it either because you know I like driving. Just sure. As as well, else everybody listening, listening does. But, but I I look forward to them it's, for everything. It's very how cool it's tech, change. and it was a cool party trick. <laughs> it's a party trick. <laughs> no, I mean you know the the diesel gate notwithstanding, it's definitely pushed everybody into hey, let's really invest. And car companies are admitting that the lead that Tesla has, as far as you know, announcements and tech and where they're at, is pushing everybody else along. Yeah. On the other hand, other car companies are selling far more cars than Tesla is. Yeah. So I, it's very strange, but still very symbiotic. Uh, anyway, it's, I, I just... It's, it's funny that you mentioned Dieselgate, too, because a couple of years ago, right after that happened, all the Volkswagen Group press conferences from Volkswagen, Porsche, and Audi, they were all very much aware of what was going on and very you know, apologetic, and here's what we're doing to fix it. Mm-hmm. and. And my wife was actually with us over the, for the auto show this year, and she noticed that over at Audi, they seem to have forgotten about Dieselgate. And that <laughs> year, they had all these e-tronic cars, and, right. and they were going to make yeah. this infrastructure for their cars. And well, what what happened to that? Yeah, I noticed that too. So, I, I, I mean, at some point, you want them to move on. You know, they've, yep. they've admitted guilt and moving on, and you want good products from them. And they were never bad products. They just no, emitted more pollutants than previously thought no. by 40 times. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but well, yeah, no. the engineering and the design still soldiers on, and, and they're just getting better and better, which I love. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, there was a car that stuck out to me here since we're kind of we're just kind of jumping around randomly, I think. But uh, the Mazdas were great. Beautiful design language. I'm loving what they're doing. And as a very au contraire to design language, I want to bring up Chris Bangle's Red Space Electric City car. Yeah, did you get a good look at that thing? I did, and uh, you can find interesting photos and sketches online about this thing. So Chris Bangle used to be the director of design for BMW. He introduced flame surfacing and uh, the bangle butt and bangleized everything. So that's where it comes from. Fellow Art Center graduate from 1981. I did not graduate then. (laughs) Much, much later after him. But uh, famous guy, famous designer, and he always has brought a contrarian approach to design. Yep. Definitely keeping with that theme here because it seems like every so often that uh, it, you know students in school decide they discover what if you lean the glass the other yeah, way? Yeah, I was just gonna say it, nobody's it ever done like, this. It looks like you know it's a two a two box thing where you know the bottom half looks fairly normal, <laughs> but the top half it looks like they put it on upside down. <laughs> yeah, it it, it, it I can it, see it's that. It's a cartoon car, is what it is. I can see that. I mean, I like Chris pushing on concepts and again, bringing such a different approach to design and throwing this out there. I mean, yes, there's been lots of sketches I've seen over the years that are something like this, but it's my understanding he's moving towards production with this thing, which is really really interesting. I mean, you can see the stats on here, you know, all kinds of stuff, but he's already contracted with high tech corporation in China to put this into production apparently. And, very polarizing, but, you know, for a city car, and especially I can see it in, uh, you know, Japanese cities and Korean cities. And, yeah. you know, you see this thing moving around and it, it very much keeps with that kind of styling and the themes over there. 
those kinds of cars just work in Asia. When I was in Tokyo, I, I kind of get it now, you know? That, yeah, I remember you saying that. It yeah. really just, okay, it kind of makes sense, just the aesthetically. But, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't work everywhere, so... No. Uh, curious, what other stuff stuck out at you? You said you took a bunch of notes and had bullet points and wrote all kinds of stuff down. That's great. Yeah, I did. Um, one, so BMW had brought out a couple concepts, and I don't think they were necessarily brand new concepts. Maybe I'm wrong, but they had the the X7 right. high performance, and they had the 8 series concept. Right. And they both follow the same kind of design language. They have these big, massive grills on them. I mean, yeah. giant. <laughs> It works a lot better on the i on the the uh, the eight series, but on the X seven, it 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 just it looks like it's about ready to eat a bunch of robots or something. It, it's just <laughs> like this that you ridiculous. Like what is this cheese grater kind of a grill? <laughs> it was huge. I noticed the the upper greenhouse that is design speak for all the glass area. Designer speak is DLO daylight openings yeah. on the upper greenhouse there, and it was massive although i do like that bmw is now venturing out into new interior design yeah for once <laughs> manifesting <laughs> for itself seven, on the 8 years. series finally you know all their production cars they've just got stuck in this kind of interior rut although they did introduce the m5 and the m3 cs at the show which is very drool worthy yeah yep. and they you know of course right before christmas introducing the car and saying only 1200 units available worldwide yeah right get yours now <laughs> okay but uh, i thought that was beautiful i really like seeing that stuff I'm, I'm just i'm inspired by bmw and where they're going i just feel like they're so niche and they kept you know they were they were calling tesla out in their executive presentations you oh know, yeah but they weren't actually saying that but yeah, you know. with their, they had that iVision Dynamics thing there, too. That was that was a pretty good-looking car. It was. Yeah, it, it, I agree. It's interesting. interesting parts it, to it. but With the grill, they kind of have the shape there, but it's not a grill. It's just kind of a, these kidney shapes. Right, right. Because, you know, it doesn't need it. You know, future but it's tech, still you're kind not going to need cooling it, on that. Yeah, it's interesting. Now, batteries and motors still need cooling, of yeah, course, but it's yeah. going gonna, gonna to look differently and be channeled differently. But, you know, here they are with the convertible i8. And they've rolled this out, and I thought, who's going to buy this? Who buys this car? Is it, you know, rich guys who are on their fourth wife who, you know, keep it at the Hamptons, and they drive it a week out of a year? And the particular color they chose to unveil (laughs) it in? You weren't thrilled with that color, were you? No, it's like, like baby diarrhea metallic (laughs) brown or something. It's just, it doesn't do a thing for me. The car itself looks great. I think it's a gorgeous car. Interestingly, when you're leaving the convention center, if those of you are familiar with Los Angeles and the downtown area, there's a lot of new buildings going up, skyscrapers, and then there's LA yep. Live. Yep. And then, you know, to catch Uber and Lyft everywhere, I walk around the corner to the JW Marriott, and there's BMW i8s everywhere. I'm going, well, <laughs> here they are, you know, privately owned. Yeah. They're all valet parked. Right. I thought, all right, well, people are buying them. I just feel like it's kind of a quasi supercar and a kind of a step between what's coming in the future and sort of still, you know, hot supercar back here. But uh, yeah, I guess it needed to come. I mean, convertible versions of everything before we reintroduce the next generation of whatever, which leads me to the convertible Corvette ZR1. Does the world need this car? Does it need it? No. I mean, do we want it? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Honestly, what do you think of this car? The ZR1? I really liked it. It was in this this gorgeous tangerine orange. 
uh, I sat in it and I was like, yeah, you did. I can, okay. I can see myself in one of these. I can, but you look out though, and it's got this giant cowl hood that, yeah, that looks, it looks great from the outside, but you're sitting there and it's kind of hard to see over. It really is. So the I, engine is blocking forward, my view. Forward visibility is probably not going to be very good in that car. <laughs> Which is funny because if you're looking behind you, you're missing the point, but you need forward visibility because yeah. horsepower. Yeah, yeah. It's 755 horsepower, I think it was. And <laughs> someone someone commented on, on Instagram that, you know, that particular car, it was convertible, automatic, and it was all the wrong things for a performance car. <laughs> and it'll never, likely never see a racetrack or an autocross or anything like no. that. So what... To his point is, what's the point? Well, because you can is kind of what the point is. It's it's the Hellcat so. thing, I guess. But I suppose so. I mean, yeah, we can debate endlessly about the next C8, but we'll see. I mean, I, I'm open to having the ZR1. I, I like it. I like that it exists. But after driving the Z06, after Todd and I were on track in that thing, by the way, that will be a Velocity episode, and that was part of our meetup on PCH, but... You know, that that car is jaw-dropping in terms of power. Yeah. And then here comes the ZR1. I I overheard somebody say, well, that giant rear spoiler is for handling. And I thought, all right, if you're talking in the roundabout way where where downforce creates better grip and therefore you can go faster through corners and therefore better handling, okay, but it's not... You it's gotta not be the most direct like, correlation ever, if you know what I mean. Yeah, you've got to be doing, what, 140 for it to really t- be working <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, yes, downforce. Yes, you know, that does manifest itself with better handling. But the front splitter and, you know, what about the feel of the car? And what about the weight distribution? Yeah. And all these other things that I think get there the, before the giant rear spoiler. The convertible version didn't really have much of a rear spoiler. It had yeah, one. It was more of a, a gurney flap lip kind of thing than an actual spoiler. Right, right. Still creating downforce, but still. Right. I guess you're not going to be going and as fast in the in the convertible version. I guess. But speaking of spoilers, it was over at uh, Toyota's display, and okay. they they had recently. I, I I don't follow NASCAR. I so I'm oblivious. But apparently, one <laughs> of their cars won the the championship this year. A car apparently. won a championship. And. Uh, so to celebrate this fact, they created a one-off. Uh, I I can't even tell you what the driver's name is. So that's but, okay. The internet will. Yeah, the internet will correct me here. But they made this like charcoal gray, satin gray kind of Camry that's kind of in vain <laughs> of of his NASCAR, and they went as far as putting a little NASCAR style spoiler on the trunk. Oh my gosh! And I'm just looking at it like, what is going on? And and it's got it. It looked okay, I guess. It was yeah. not my thing, but the interesting thing was it. It had all these performance exterior aesthetic mods, and I popped the hood to it, and it's bone stock. And just like, <laughs> oh, what no. are you guys doing? Come on! Oh no! <laughs> so take a Camry and throw a spoiler on it and call it good. Marketing exercise. I see that. All but, right. But speaking of the Camry. Todd recently called it a 7 out of 10 car, and I completely agree with him. I sat in, in their top-of-the-line sure. show car, and sure. it was fine. There's nothing wrong with it. it. It's actually pretty nice inside, but it's just car. And <laughs> I will give to their credit, though, their design on, on the, the new Camry is it's over the top. And I think, yeah. I think 
as much as I don't really care for it, I think it's a step in the right direction. Because the Camry, the last several generations, has just been so many feet of car. I'm biting my tongue over here. Can you hear that sound? Uh-huh. That's, uh-huh. that's me just grinding my teeth. And, well, you know the designer, so... I do. <laughs> but in my opinion, I think, you know, they, they took it a little too far. They overcorrected. <laughs> <laughs> Wildly swerving now, in my opinion, but okay. So. <laughs> overcorrect. Overcorrect. <laughs> Anyways. No, I can see that. All right. A few other things that stood out to you before we take a break here. What uh, um, what else is on your list? One of the, the cars I, I really liked was the uh, the Genesis G90. Oh, really? It's the, you know, call it a Genesis does a Mercedes S-Class. So it's kind of an unobtainium kind of car for, yeah. for most people. But you sit in the back seat. It's a really nice place to be. You got screens. You can relax and, and recline your seat. And uh, it, it was... The materials were were nice. They weren't quite S class materials. They were they were Hyundai level luxury type stuff. But it was a overall really pleasant car. I was really surprised. Hmm, interesting. And, and I wish Genesis well. I do too. As a matter of fact, I ran into a friend of mine, Kevin, who works at the Genesis Studio now, which is its separate studio, and they're doing great things. I mean, Peter Schreier was uh, was there. He came from Audi and is the Kia design director overall, but I think he's going to be being groomed to move on. And so Luke Dolkovolka and Sangyep Lee, these two guys, they came from GM, Bentley. Luke used to be the design director at Lamborghini. Right. This is why Kia and Hyundai are killing it, and therefore Hyundai with their Genesis brand. But this is now becoming its own brand. Yeah, think, think, and think Infinity to Nissan, way. yeah. Right, and, right. And it, it's, they've been talking about it for a long time, and maybe that's what they need, a separation. Because the Genesis was already a very nice, luxurious car. Yeah. And then they came out with the, I don't remember the next one up from the Genesis, but it was the, the more luxurious, oh, the, the, the big, Equus. huge, yeah, the Equus, the big giant car. Yeah, right. And I think the G90 is replacing that. It's kind of, it's about That'll that be size. The, the very top yeah. end. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, sure, I can see that. Well, I uh, I was talking to another friend of mine who's a designer for Hyundai, and I said, man, no i30N in the States. What are you guys thinking? And he said, I know, I know. But but they brought the rally car here. But they brought they the, had rally the rally car, car there. <laughs> to further tease us. Yeah. Now, things could change if we all make enough noise, because I sat in the, in the i30N at the Frankfurt show and just marveled at the shifter feel, and I thought, okay, now, we've got to have cor- this car. Come correct on. me if I'm wrong. I read this recently. I th- uh, is the Elantra GT Sport the I don't same believe thing so, or no. close it's to? starting to approach fun things, but the i30N is the business. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I wish it were, but uh, apparently still not. We need a Sport Plus or a Sport N or I don't know. Yeah. Name it something different. Bring that car here, Hyundai, please. Uh, so another quick standout before we take a break, as I said, is the Aston Martin Vantage. Oh, yes. Which I saw. Clearly, we're jumping all over the place, which is fine. But it just it strikes me as, uh, you know, I'm thinking about various proportions and design and form. And yeah. here's the Vantage, which in person, I really do like the proportions. Yeah, it's it looks great. sleeker, more compact than the DB11s that were sitting next to it. Three yeah. or four of them, as I recall. Yeah, there's four of them. Okay. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I, I really like the proportions on this thing. Some of the details in the front, it needs bright work. It needs more attention paid to those headlights yeah. to make a statement. And the front end is half as busy as the back. And it just it doesn't bring a presence that I want. From the side and back view, rear three-quarter, bang on. Yeah, 
yeah. but that front. I mean, front, you saw that in there. It, it reminds me a lot of the DB10 from Skyfall or from the Bond movie. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, not Skyfall, um, Spectre. Well, yeah, yeah. And uh, the the there was a car they made, what, 10 of them? For the film, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And they teased us with this great oh, looking it's car. Oh, the DB10, right? Yeah, the DB10. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it, the the Vantage looks almost. It's very similar to the DB10. They changed some of the elements to it, I guess, to sure. make it more production friendly or something. But the grill itself is a bit much. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but you see it in person, and it that's one of those cars that makes a lot more sense. It was less chicken wiry in the front in the grill. It was you know you could see okay, it's got some nice details yeah. to it, but from a photograph you can't tell. No, I will say though, if you do go to the auto show and you happen to be in L.A., the lighting they had down there for that car it's <laughs> a highlighter green or highlighter yellow car, and they've got green fluorescent lighting on it. Yeah, not and the best just, choice. It just it, it completely clashes, isn't it? The safety it just yellow lights work. and paint, and yeah, not not so great. All right, guys. Well, we will take a quick break. We're coming back with Chance right after this advertising. Let's talk about our friends at True Car real quick. When you're looking to buy a car, you want to make sure you're getting a price on an actual vehicle. It's not like theoretical. You want a car that's actually sitting on a lot somewhere. Unfortunately, that's not always the case. You can wind up configuring a car online only to find out, yeah, that one you wanted, we don't have that. But with TrueCar, you get real pricing on actual inventory. Now, this is not pricing offered by TrueCar, but pricing from an actual dealer. And not just any dealer, but a TrueCar certified dealer, which is a carefully curated network of dealers committed to transparency and offering you a competitive market price. So using TrueCar, you can easily find the car you want. You can see what other people in your area paid for that car. That's a nice comparison thing to see. There are over 13,000 TrueCar certified dealers nationwide, and the average TrueCar user saves $3,000 off MSRP. So when you're ready to buy, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. Geico presents unhelpful home improvement how-tos. A slippery bathroom floor can result in expensive hospital bills. So today, I'll show you how to cushion a serious fall by filling your bathroom with thousands of plastic balls. Just nail a piece of plywood across the doorway and dump in 2,000 multicolored plastic balls. You could try to protect yourself with a bathroom full of plastic balls, or you could get liability coverage through the GEICO Insurance Agency. Visit GEICO.com and see how affordable renter's insurance can be. We are back with the LA Auto Show, and as you've been hearing, we've got Chance with us. Todd is busy editing furiously and laughing at me while I'm calling him out on the podcast. Don't lie. We locked him in the closet. Oh, you're right. right. <laughs> Just no, it's, uh, it's all for the Velocity Channel upcoming, and those episodes will eventually make their way to Vimeo and YouTube. Yep. Vimeo shortly thereafter, and, and uh, we'll be able to share all that with you. But we have been super busy, but did have time to go to the LA Auto Show, which is great. And uh, we've got to talk about Porsche here. The Porsche, uh, as usual, has their own pavilion. Yep. They brought a lot of cool stuff. I'm going to gush a little bit for I, they, just they, a tiny bit here. They were cool enough that both times I was in their, their little area, I saw Patrick Long the first time. Did you? And the second time, I saw Tanner Faust. Nice. Both in the Porsche area. They Did you just, introduce yourself and I was going to. to uh, Tanner was talking to someone else already. Okay. And 
when I saw Patrick Long, he was talking to somebody too, and I was waiting for him, and then he turned the corner, and then he disappeared. Okay. So I didn't get to. I was, uh, was going to congratulate him for winning the championship and yeah. early world challenges here. Yeah, He's no kidding. Phenomenal drivers, Home both boy. of them. Yeah, both guys are super fast. I, w- I happened to be one time in LAX going through TSA, going through security just ahead of Patrick. And I, he came, you know, to get his bags behind me. And I just said, Hey man, just appreciate you. You're a fantastic driver. Where are you headed? And he said, Oh, I'm going out to Daytona. But of <laughs> yeah. course you are. <laughs> anyway. So, uh, that was my experience with him, but yes, Porsche, the booth there, the big news for them is the 911 T, which is the lightweight version of the Carrera, yep. the 911. <laughs> and, uh, lots of people have been asking on social media whose questions we will get to here shortly. What is it about the Carrera T that's making everybody drool over this car? Because, of course, Porsche was jammed. The Cayenne, the brand-new Cayenne, was roundly ignored. People looked at it, but there was lots of space around it. They had the new 718 GTSs. Yes, the Boxster and the the Cayman GTS. Yep, they had that there. And then along the back row, the Sport Turismo, the e-tron, Turbo S versions of... (laughs) Those those were nice. Unbelievable. What was what I did find interesting about that before we go back to the 911T was I sat in the back of the Sport Turismo, and it has a middle seat. Yeah, it's got a seat belt and everything. Yeah, but the center console takes up all the legroom. There is no legroom for the, the rear sure. passenger in the middle, yeah. so you got to straddle the console, and it's just kind of like, well, why didn't you just you know, leave the seat belt out and call it a four seater? Sure. I find it so funny that everybody just has their own proclivities to their particular brand and they're going to find, you know, whatever interests them and they're kind of yeah. making a beeline for that. Yeah, spent spent a lot of time there. I did. Although actually I just I started elsewhere. I started with Tesla and then wound my way through the South Hall and then came back over to Porsche. So yes, you you had to kind of jostle people to get a photograph of the nine eleven T. Yep. And this is a car that is really a base Carrera. It is not even an S, 370 horsepower. And so this represents Porsche going after the driver. And they stated it as much on the wall with their signage saying, we're going after driver enthusiasm and lightweight driver fun. Because up to this point, it's been more, more, and more from Porsche. GT2, obviously. Yeah. I mean, that's the pinnacle, the most powerful 911 ever. Which was there. I sat in it. Which was right next to it. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) But it was getting as much or more attention than that GT2. Yeah, it was. There was a line for the T just as much as it was for the RS. Yeah. It was insane. It had the racing buckets in it, yep. lightweight glass, which you could tell. I mean, the, the rear defroster in the rear glass was non-existent. It was just a clear pane of glass, and it looked thinner and clearer to my eye. Yeah. I mean, you could see that. You could just see, all right, Porsche's starting to back off a little bit. And, okay, power's not everything, Handling is, driver enjoyment is, manual transmission, and you know what? Who cares? It's only got 370 horsepower. That's still That's a That's more lot. than enough for most people. It, I Let's think, be honest. It is. It really is. I mean, they're still claiming really quick 0 to 60. It's going to be a brilliant car to drive, but the whole point is lighter. The problem is once you spec it back out with the things you actually want, it's probably going to weigh just as much as a yeah. base Carrera. Yeah. So why get it? Well, the trim package... It doesn't have back seats in it. No. It's it's almost well it is. It's it's a GT three light. Or GT three touring light, I should yeah, say. Yeah, I'm kind or of nine eleven R with the base engine. And it's, it's kind not of a consolation kind of an... prize by any stretch. No. no. And I think people are are I guess appreciating that 
and that mentality from Porsche. Because again, it's just been more and more and more, and we can continually yep. ramp up the power output every year, every model change, even going to four cylinder. They've got now more power, but this they backed off, and it's sort of this refreshing change. I felt like. Yeah, I would agree with that, and it's something that you know everyone's in this horsepower war and faster and bigger yeah. and better and all the things. Yeah, but. You know, the driving enthusiast, we don't care. We want to have that that feel, the road feel, and the dynamics, and the handling. And I mean, I would personally love it if they continued, not that they need more variants of the 911, but other models too, to to take that thinking and back off. You know what? You don't need all the all the features, the power, everything, and the yeah. you know, the stuff that weighs a car down. Quite frankly, yep. Even though this car did have the nav screen in it, I think it looks good with the. You know, the nav screen placement and the the stereo and all that stuff. You're probably going to want that. But fabric door pulls, Alcantara, racing seats, and just this lightweight thinking. And start to apply that, especially with the Cayman. I mean, a lightweight Cayman that's just a... Not that it isn't already a driving enthusiast car, but you know what I mean. And just sort of apply this mantra across the board, I think, would do them well. Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, going back to the the weight, you know, you drive a, a GT350... And as phenomenal as a car that is, you can tell it's a big car. Mm-hmm. They are heavy, and they're they're not light on their feet. They're light for what they are. They're light on their feet, but compared to some of these small agile cars, yeah, they're just not the same. Okay, so we've got a lot of questions on social media, but before we do, you saw the Celine S one. It's just out a, in just the hall, the Celine one actually, or just the yeah. one. Okay, talk yeah. to me about that. I wasn't there today, and I didn't see this car. It wasn't out on the on the show floor on Wednesday. No, so they had their. Oh, I guess it is called DS One. On their sign, it just said Celine One. So sure, but uh, it's Celine's new. It's almost Cayman in size or Lotus Evora kind of size. They weren't the letting car. people sit in it, were they? I don't think so. I didn't. Okay. I didn't try to. But uh, it's it's based on the GT Artega, I think it was called. Okay. I'm not real familiar with that car in particular, so I couldn't tell you the particulars. But uh, Celine has gone a very different way than what they normally have done. So the last supercar they made, you remember the Celine S7, mm-hmm. which when they first came out, they had a measly 550 horsepower. Then they threw turbos at it and <laughs> 750 horsepower. Then they did a competition version, which was 1,000 horsepower. And in 2004, that was a lot yeah. in a lightweight car. Yeah, And that was a big V8 and seven liters and just a big monster and they had one sitting next to it and awesome this car is a lot smaller it weighs like 26 2700 pounds is what they were saying had a two and a half liter four-cylinder super uh, turbocharged car engine and making 450 horsepower did you talk to anybody about production or availability or any of that jazz i didn't okay I missed the press conference. I just got a quick look at it and kind of saw it on the way out type things. Their their conference was later in the afternoon. Right. And um but they're claiming 60 in about three and a half seconds and it'll cost about 100 grand and I did read earlier that they were planning on starting production immediately. Really? So this car is okay. supposedly available now. All right. All right. Good to know. Well, uh, you've got actually a lot of people calling you out on here and on social media. I think you should uh, jump in with a few questions here. People are asking you stuff about your experiences and and uh, I think, uh, where was it, on Instagram? Yeah, someone... Scott D. on Instagram was asking, who had more fun at the auto show, you or your wife? 
Yeah, that, that's that is the ultimate debate, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know because she had a lot she of is fun. listening too, right? Yeah, she, yeah, she will be listening. <laughs> uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun. Um, like I was saying earlier, it, it's rare to be able to sit in concept cars even on press days. Sure, yeah. and it's even more rare to be able to do that with your spouse. So that that was kind of cool to be able to sit in. You know, it was a Volkswagen Buzz or Cross or whatever it was. The the van. How do you pronounce that now? And yeah, it was just cool. We had a, a great time together, and and yeah, just I don't know which one of us had more fun, to be honest. <laughs> Interesting. She likes cars just about as much as I do these days. That's pretty cool. Well, Christoph M on Instagram is also asking about the trends that we see coming that make us excited: design or style interior improvements. Again, I listen to a lot of folks talk about the autonomy thing and it's still the wild west. It's still being sorted out. Christoph, I did go to the Intel briefing and that was Intel CEO. As a matter of fact, yeah, he was talking about mobile and their advancements in autonomy. And it was still just kind of loose talk around, Hey, we're investing and in blah. We've got 250 million that we announced last year. Yeah. But then the chief, I think, media officer from Warner Brothers joined him on stage. Oh, interesting. I thought, okay, this is kind of weird. Yeah. And together they announced a partnership that for any future Intel and therefore mobile eye equipped autonomous vehicles, Warner Brothers will be providing the in-car entertainment, whatever that looks like and manifests itself like in those cars. So what's so like movies and TV and you stuff name like it. that? Whatever they can think of and whatever's coming out. Interesting. Yeah, that's what they announced together. So I I thought that was interesting. And yeah, the autonomy continues to dominate conversations. But I just like that design is dominating so much of the interior experience. And the materials are improving so much, even on inexpensive cars. And with apologies to Maserati and Lincoln owners everywhere, I admit that I did not even stop at those booths. Yeah, I didn't either. I walked right past because I had to go look at important cars like the Kia Soul Electric. Yeah. Yeah, that was there. <laughs> I did not look at that one. <laughs> I did. It was great. You can buy an electric I, soul, everyone. I, I walked right past that and went straight for the orange Kia Stinger. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. I really liked it a lot. Did you? Uh, had this... you seen one in person yet? No, I hadn't. Okay. Uh, this is the first time I'd seen one. Talk to me about the size, because everybody talks about this straight off the bat if they haven't seen one in it, person. It's a lot bigger than I expected, I think. Yeah. It's... It's... I don't think quite as big as the Chevy SS. I could be wrong. It doesn't seem as big. Okay. But All right. it, it's up there in size and footprint. Yeah. But it, it looks more sleek and slender than the SS. And I think that's a huge plus for it. There's there's a bit of delicacy about it. Yeah. There's some strength and muscularity, but there's some delicate and, things too. Yeah. And this orange one, uh, it had, I don't know if it was a performance package or an aero kit it had on it or something, but it had... Um, some little winglets on it and, and mm-hmm. just different arrow things to the direct air in different places. It had a, a fairly good sized like ducktail spoiler on the back and it was a really sexy car. Yeah, agreed. Well, there's a, a question on here from Kyle N on Facebook. With the internet now and new model photo leaks, are auto shows still important? Yes. What do you think? I think yes. Why? Because like we were talking about earlier, Pictures don't really do cars justice anymore. Yeah. You can't see them. You can't see all the lines. You can't climb in them, play with them. I mean, yeah, the pictures come out and you see it. It's like, oh, well, there's a new thing. That's cool. But that gets me more excited to see it, I think. It's 
I mean, yeah, it's one thing to see it roll out on the stage and be surprised. And sure, but I think car man- car makers now are kind of expecting them to be leaked. They, they don't want them they're to be, but that. they're they're playing they're, a game. They're, yeah, they're it's not. like, well, we made it this far. Come here, come here, come here. Go away, go away, go away. Come now, here, come here, come here, come here. Those that can hide it, like Ford did with the GT, when they, I mean, they, when they dropped that, it no one knew what was coming. True. So true. So yeah, the internet doesn't help things out, and people with smartphones seeing them driving around Detroit or wherever testing with the camouflage, and maybe they catch it without some of the camouflage on it one day. Yeah, mm-hmm. but they're still test cars at that point. Agreed. I, I would say, Kyle, with an admission that I have bought cars sight unseen and have them shipped to me, there is the whole, I want to sit on the couch before I buy it thing. Right. That car shows provide. There's excitement and there's the, did you sit in those seats? They're terrible. Or, wow, I really love that seating position. And that surprised me about blank car. Yeah. Or the switch gear or the materials inside and you start to touch things and then it furthers your impression. Talking about yeah. the Volvo interiors and interiors it doesn't deserve. That yeah. kind of conversation is what it sparked. Or, oops, or earlier we were talking about in the airport, the Stelvio mm-hmm. and how neither one of us liked the driving position in that thing. Yeah. It just, it feels off. I don't know why. It feels I, compromised. I feel like I sit where I where I should normally feel in, in terms of where the steering wheel is and everything else. But I feel like I'm sitting too low in the thing. Sure. Yeah. And yeah, things like that. But also, you know, the auto shows are more than just where these companies come and show their new toys, but the public gets to come for 10 days to this, this year. It's the first to the 10th. Mm-hmm. And yep. uh, so everyone comes, they actually will have sales reps there and you can buy cars at, public days or they'll direct you to where you can oh yeah and it's a huge way for people you know if you're shopping around like you were saying you go and you you can find them all in one place that's that's the point i that's, was just that's about the to key. make there you can find them all in one place you can sit in them within minutes of each other yep you're not driving them but you can sit in them and feel them and see what works and what doesn't yep that's the best answer and that is it's the closest thing to what we do on the show, and that is we gather cars together and we drive them back to back to back, yep. and we compare them for everyone who doesn't have that ability and you know therefore consumes our content. And thank you for doing that, by the way. This is the best way for people to do the back to back. You know what? I'm actually shopping, and I've been curious about the Mazda 6. Yeah. There it is. And then you can walk across the show floor and get in the other thing you were interested in and get the feel and look at them, you know, in the metal, as we say, uh-huh. and really start to cross shop. I mean, it does spark those thoughts. I was in uh, in a Toyota Prius, unfortunately, with a Lyft driver. <laughs> it's it's one of the cars that you mine, get. Mine was a Corolla today. So. <laughs> and so I said, hey, yeah, I'm here for the auto show. The auto show's going on. And he said, oh, yeah, I've been kind of curious about the Model 3. And I said, you know, the best place to go look at it? is at the auto show. Yeah. Go in there and take a look. And he was thinking, well, maybe down the road I might, man, go look at it. Go get a sense for all these cars. And, you know, for people who don't pay as much attention to cars as we do, it's a great way for you to see the new stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brian H. was asking, it says it's not an auto show-related question, but he's having a Christmas party at the Porsche Experience Center in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. And Lucky duck. he's getting to... Not drive, but he's getting to ride a few laps around the track, and I'm not sure what car he doesn't say, but he says he's never ridden 
fast with someone in the passenger seat around a track before. And how do you prepare yourself for that? Ah, what would you say? What do you think? I honestly think, you know, you got to, you know, tighten your seatbelt. Hold, hold you in place because yeah. it's it's a lot harder to hold yourself in place from the passenger seat than yep. the driver's seat. And don't grab your driver yep. unexpectedly. Yep. They, they won't like that. <laughs> try not to scream. Yep. <laughs> Discard but, handfuls of upholstery but, and try not to scream. So I have a, a friend, Sammy. We actually drove his uh, Spec B, the Subaru uh, Legacy Spec B a couple years ago oh, for yeah, a Fast right. Blast. Right, right. And... Yeah. It's a very fast car, and he drives it very fast. He's yeah. a he's a very yeah. quick driver. He's a shoe. And uh, not long after that shoot, I didn't get to drive it then, but he wanted me to be able to drive drive it. And he came down, and we drove it up a canyon. And he drove first, and then I drove it back. Yeah. I was going slower than he was, and I was terrifying him really? in his own car. It was really? hilarious. Yeah. Just was it just uh, somebody he, else is driving? My yeah, car someone thing. else is driving. He didn't know the road. And, yeah. And yeah, that's the kind of thing you'll probably experience a little bit. Just, you know, trust a driver and be um, bracing yourself as best you can. You can either hold on to the door or I, I actually use my feet and push sure. against the, the firewall yep. and try and lean myself that way. No, that's great advice. And I will add to that, Brian, it, the, the same thing happened to me riding with Ron Simons around the ring in a new F80 M3. I kept thinking to myself, wow, tires can do that. And my trust for various tires and the tire conditions aren't as developed as his are. And so once you get past the initial sensations of speed and braking and being thrown around, look at what he's looking at, your driver, guy or gal, whatever they are looking at, and try to follow what you think, you know, are they looking up the track? They should be. And start to look at their gaze and start to understand, you know, where their head is coming up and preparing for various turns. Yeah. And start to, you know, what are they looking at? Follow their gaze, follow their eyesight if you can. I know it's going to be tough, but, you know, overcome the, the sensations and then start to follow along with anticipation of where he would turn in, where they would break, you know, all those various points and how they approach it. Some drivers are very abrupt. Others are a lot smoother. And yeah. that, that definitely manifests itself in their driving style. But yep. start to look for those little things as to their turn-in points, their breaking points, you know, where they're looking. And then they're lying through the corner, where they clip the apex, how long they, they let the run out, you know, on, on the, the track out, yeah. corner exit. Start to look at those things. And then uh, I think you'll you'll start to understand, you know, okay, what the car can do, what the tires are doing, all that information coming through the car. And you can start to feel it too in the passenger seat as well. Yeah. And if you think you're a good driver, you won't feel like it after that. <laughs> <laughs> Just be prepared for that too. <laughs> and don't forget to enjoy yourself, Brian. That's a, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Jason L. is asking about filling up gas tanks. Oh, um, yeah. You wanted to answer his question, didn't you? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very interesting question. So he's he's asking, is it better to you know fill your tank all the way to the top and just you know drain it until it's empty and mm-hmm. then fill it and just do it that way or is it better to do more frequent stops like splash and dash and just you know I've never heard which, that is that like dine and dash i guess i mean I, I guess i don't know if there's really a right answer to this question cuz i i can't see an advantage or disadvantage to either one of them other than yeah. you know depending on how how gas prices fluctuate you might save a few cents one week versus if you just filled up or maybe you'll spend more so it's a very interesting question 
Do you have any thoughts on it? Well, I, I'm thinking about just weight alone. You're going to be obviously filling sooner. Yeah. But if you do like the balance of your car, but is it light enough so you can really feel that? Yeah. And in his car, yes, probably. Yeah, he says he's got a GTI. Yeah, and in his case, definitely, you know, anybody that we know who drives a Lotus, and I don't know anybody who drives a Lotus anyway. <laughs> so do you know anybody? No. In Lotus? lighter cars, certainly, but you're going to be obviously filling, you know, more frequently, and therefore the hassle of doing that, unless you're on a road trip, whatever. But yeah. if you like the dynamics and, you know, you're you're doing that, sure, keep it low. You can keep it low. Yeah, there's That's, nothing wrong with it. Absolutely. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with filling it up, but... Um, you know, you're just, you're going to feel the difference. You know, I've been told by Porsche service centers that when they do an alignment, they want you to fill the fuel tank full when you come in for your appointment because they want to align the car with the full weight of that car, liquids, all that stuff. And so you think, okay, so in those kinds of cars, you definitely feel that. Otherwise, yeah, it's, it's an enthusiast thing. I can definitely see that. And so, yes, absolutely. It's just... You know, the hassle, the trade-off is filling more frequently. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fable Multimedia on Instagram was asking one of those would-you-rather questions. Ah, uh, yes. This is a great this one is for a, you. This is a really good question. I, I think you should answer this. Um, he's asking, would you rather an entry-level camera with a lot of useful gear or a really nice camera with minimal gear? <laughs> I mean, this this is in your wheelhouse. What do you think? Yeah, and I, I think this can go one of two ways. So... In photography, it's more important to have better lenses than it is to have a good camera body because the glass alone, the quality of the glass will reflect on how clear and sharp the images turn out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we always say, you know, upgrade your lenses before you upgrade your camera body because those are the things that are going to last and make a real difference than yeah. having more yeah. megapixels or the newest feature or whatever. But at the same time, in I would think anyways, and Todd would have to be here to correct me, but if you're working in 4K, then you might have a little more leeway, and and so I think it can go both ways. Personally, I would rather have a a lesser camera and better lenses and gear, because you can... Sure. A good photographer will still be able to do just as much with a lower-grade camera than you would with the higher-end. Yeah, kind of limitations and that kind of thing. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, keep going. And, and you know, having a nice camera with cheap lenses or no gear at all, well, it, you it, <laughs> you don't have as many options to play with. And you can't you can't change things around. And you, you may, may or may not have external lighting or whatever you want to you want to use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, definitely. It's a good question. Yeah, there's some uh, design questions on here on Facebook. Devin M. is asking, why do every car, why does every car have fake vents behind the front wheels, even the new Jeep? Uh, yeah, I was hoping you'd address this one. This is because of sketching, Devin. And it's because sketches are lots of lines. You're just loose with your, your freehand sketching. And you, you think, all right, that's going to be maybe a detail right there. And it's just a bit of a squiggle to begin with. But then it starts to look good to your eye. And then you keep keep going and you think, all right, I've got to develop that into something. What is that? Yeah. Is it actually functional? On some cars it is. On others it is not. Mustang. <clears throat> <laughs> we won't name cars. Guilty cars. But yes, there's a lot of that. And it seems to be a styling cliche. And I don't see it going away anytime soon because no. it's an optimal position to put badges, details, all that kind of stuff right back. I mean, the Aston Martin DB11 takes that to an extreme because yeah. the entire wheel well 
is stamped that way. Yep. So they're they're going very extreme with that, I'd say. But you know, we're going to keep seeing proliferation of this. The Porsche Panamera is guilty. The Corvette C7, yeah, guilty. All these cars they execute it differently, but it's it's a an interesting way to drive dynamism and dynamic flowing lines, and you introduce that there right behind the front wheels, and then you wrap it around the car. Yeah. Now yeah. you could do that in front, but you already have design elements to deal with like headlights yep. and intakes and cooling and all that stuff. So if you introduce it there, how do you continue it past the front wheels and then wrap it above the, you know, up to the shoulder line, maybe the shoulder line in some cases actually more dominant, which means you can reduce that. But Mazda is a perfect example of a car company going away from that and being very successful with it. Yeah. They've got beautiful sheet metal, but it's very, very paid attention to, if you know what I mean. Yeah, the way they curve and the lines. And yes. There's and lines. So they're subtle. Imagine that kind of sheet metal now with extra detail on it. It would destroy the design. Yeah. It would destroy because now what they're doing is replacing that fake detail with a reflection that does that. So instead of, right. you know, okay, we've got a badge, a chrome, a, an intake, a black something. Now the highlight jumps right there which I think is a cleaner way to do it, more elegant, beautiful, but on some cars it does work. Yeah. SUVs, all that kind of stuff. I, I, do, I do think it works. So there's another question as well uh, up here from, um, where was it? Jose P. asking about the LED headlights and the big grill on, on Audis. Yes, I, I don't know that people are copying Audi necessarily, but they're wanting to promoted as you say the how, how did you term it just you know the the cheese grater or giant tea yeah the, the cheese grater robot eating grill <laughs> yeah right <laughs> right it's uh you know everybody want wanting to put their stamp so that when you yeah, see even, a car what is it yeah even the uh, i posted a picture of this this morning even the mitsubishi mirage the <laughs> cheapest car you can buy in america now has led lights and chrome all over all over it that could have been an option but it has it. Sure, sure. Now going going back to to well, keeping with grills and and you know fake side vents and things like that. I recently saw a uh, I forget what it was maybe car scoops or one of those, but they took car grills like the front grills. Oh sure. And you know how much of those grills are actually grills. And how much of it is just style. Fakery. And so they, they blocked out, like they highlighted all the bits that is actually not a grill and left just a slit of what the actual air opening was. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it's to your point, the grills are usually massive, but the actual area that's functional is not really that big. Mm-hmm. And the same goes with, with exhaust tips on a lot of cars. You get these big chrome tips and yeah. you look at them and you look in a little ways and there's a little tiny exhaust pipe back in there. It's not an actual – how big that tip is is not how big the exhaust is. <laughs> there's also a couple on Twitter, Andy saying, Paul, one of my faves is the GT2 Porsche, but uh, you know, at $344,000, no, it's not a bargain. Do we care? No. Do we want it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> thanks for writing, Andy. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And Max, thanks. You, thank you for writing in, keeping with the styling themes. He's asking about the Hoffmeister kink detail on the new 8 Series Coupe. Imagine, Max, those lines. Keep drawing them with your eye. You know, keep the sketch going. And yes, it's just by virtue of the sketch that they can get away with really keeping the, the Hoffmeister kink going, making it sleeker and and pushing it that direction. Just imagine the sketch form of that car and then 
when you have to dial it back, they're left with just the tiniest hint of that kink. But it's there. I'm glad your eye caught that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ariopolis on Instagram asks, uh, you know, we don't, we as a show, we don't really care about stats on a car. I mean, that was our old tagline. I mean, was, we care, but, you know, we don't. Yeah, it, it's, it's, you know, we can't drive a spec sheet. So yes, stats matter, yes. but they don't matter. Well, he's asking, you know, zero to 60 times. Yeah, when they're really fast, they're impressive. But when they're slow, does that make the car less safe? Mm-hmm. He's mentioning, he said in the, uh, the new Impreza's time is about nine seconds to 60, which is painfully <laughs> slow. Yeah. But does that make yeah. it un- less safe? Well, maybe, maybe not. If you can't get away from the lights very fast and the guy behind you is an idiot, well, maybe it does yeah. make it less safe. But yeah. Yeah, interesting. It's an interesting, interesting thought. Well, we have got to end with our show favorites here. We'll wrap up the podcast, and I will defer to you to begin with. If you've got something... Talk to me about your favorite, or maybe you've got a couple things that stood out to you that you, that you really loved, and you said, "All right, that's um, the show favorite." Let's see, show favorites. I liked the stingers. I kept pointing them out and driving my wife crazy because I'd point them out every time we'd look at them. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. Uh, let's see what really stood out. Oh, there was the Jaguar I-Pace E Trophy prototype. The yes, the race car. Uh-huh. It's in this really bright, loud teal kind of aquamarine color it's it's the eye paste with a big wing on the back it was really cool yeah and i'm i'm into race cars so yeah the um there's an nsx gt3 and bear carbon that was yeah, a that was pretty gorgeous. sexy car yeah. and not far from it was their new uh Le Mans prototype car or uh daytona prototype car i should say that they're debuting at at daytona this coming race season and yeah, most of the race cars are really what did it for me. One of the cool ones, actually, um, Mazda had a cross-section kind of car, or a, a oh, half-and-half yes. car. Yes, I saw where this. Where the passenger side was a, a Mazda Miata, a right. normal street car. But the driver's side was the race car. So it had the roll With cage the and cage. the stripped-out yeah. stuff. And it was showing the comparison of what's done to make it the race car, the cup car. Versus the passenger car. Yeah. And it was just, it was kind of mind warping to look at it. Like, I want that. <laughs> it was really cool. <laughs> if you, you know, finish off the roll cage so it just, you know, wraps up the, the is actually functional. Right. Instead of unsafe, right. you, you can take it out on the weekend for your autocross or track days and you can take it to the grocery store on Monday. And Yeah, for sure. And, oh, I could see that. All right. Well, my favorites were, of course, the 911T. I dug that car, of course. You, you, you Ev- everything would. in you, Porsche. You would. No surprise there. Love that. It's so not, no surprises. Not like you like Porsches or nothing. Yes, but it definitely was Mazda as well. And, uh, you know, everything that Volvo is doing, uh, Honda didn't stick out. Infinity didn't stick out to me. No. Um, oh, I did like the, uh, the new Mercedes CLS. Did you, see, did you oh, get a yes. look at that car? I did see that. That was intriguing. The, the first CLS looked awesome when they came out. Yeah. And then the second one... They weren't bad looking. They kind of lost their touch. They lost their way. Mm-hmm. This new one, I think, is the business. Yeah. I, I think they they found their stuff again. And and Mercedes is is I've I've never been a Mercedes fan much until the last couple of years. Yeah, they're they're. I've, really... I used to work for an Audi dealer, so I've I've got a little bit of bias in me. But the, Mercedes is killing it right now. They really are. Well, I agree. But I will end on my favorite, and this is subject to change. But I was really intrigued by it, and it is an Audi. 
It's the new RS3. Oh, yeah. With gobs of horsepower. Yep. It's compact. It was really intriguing, and I thought, huh, what about a winter car with snows, winter tires on that thing? <laughs> bombing around that just it was the luxurified you know next gen it was sort of like so so on the the uh is the rs3 <laughs> lexified or is it emified oh no maybe a bit of both maybe a bit of both yeah i, I would say somewhere in there <laughs> I, I just was really intrigued with this car just you know audi is switching paint colors and defining the trends with their yep. with their paint but yeah just really intrigued by this little thing yeah, lots they're... of horsepower of course, all-wheel drive, Quattro thing going on. So I've been away from Audi for a little bit, but now I'm kind of coming back around. They kind of went off into the weeds for me, and then they kind of reined it back. It, and I'm like. the other way around. They, really? I'm not really digging their new stuff. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, fair enough. Well, man, thank you so much for joining us on the oh, podcast course. again. I know it's always fun. It's I mean, always a pleasure. Talking about this on the airplane before we even started podcasting. So I will leave it there. Yes, uh, if you've got questions, write to us. We'd love to hear your own impressions. And if you've got your own car debate, write to us at everydaydrivertv at gmail.com or on the website, everydaydriver.com. Yep. You can find us there if you've got questions for any of us. Yep. Always love to hear from you guys. And you're always, uh, seems like you're always checking in. It's good for me, and good to hear from you. And if, if we can't find the time to write you back, it's always lovely to hear. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the places. We're and there. people are starting to write you a lot and, yep. and ask you questions, which is so cool. You can find chance all over the place too. Yep. It's fun. Guys, thank you again. Looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. Geico presents unhelpful home improvement how-tos. A slippery bathroom floor can result in expensive hospital bills. So today, I'll show you how to cushion a serious fall by filling your bathroom with thousands of plastic balls. Just nail a piece of plywood across the doorway and dump in 2,000 multicolored plastic balls. You could try to protect yourself with a bathroom full of plastic balls, or you could get liability coverage through the GEICO Insurance Agency. Visit GEICO.com and see how affordable renter's insurance can be. ADT can design and install a smart home just for you, backed by 24-7 protection. A new smart home at your service, customized for your lifestyle. Set up custom automations unique to your home to automatically do the things like lock the doors or set the thermostat when you leave. Even close your garage door from virtually anywhere. ADT will set up your home with multiple smart home devices and security features like indoor and outdoor cameras, locks, lights, and garage door control, even video doorbells. Visit ADT.com slash podcasts to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you.